How many of you believe today that God is very particular? Very particular. I've been reading in the scriptures uh, the last few weeks, as a matter of fact, the last few days especially, the book of Exodus and the book of Leviticus. And if you ever go read there, and it's hard sometimes just to stay with that because it talks about all the sacrifices and the law that God gave in the Old Testament. But God was very defined in what he had to say. He, uh, I was reading the other day with one of the offerings that was to be offered by Aaron, the Levitical priesthood, and his son, his sons, that they, the, the Lord said, you take the blood of that offering and you put it on the tip of your finger and then you touch Aaron's right ear and you put it on his right thumb and you put it on his right big toe. Has anybody ever read that? That's in the Bible. The Lord was so particular. I read last week about the tabernacle plan. The, the plan that he had for the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And he didn't just say, go build a building. He didn't just say, go build a tabernacle uh, where, where you can worship. But he gave specific dimensions. I mean... He was down to the T, so many cubics for this piece of furniture, so many cubics wide, so many cubics deep, so many cubics high. And then he would say, build it out of such and such material. And, you know, the tabernacle plan in the Old Testament, it wasn't really beautiful, but it was, it was designed by God. It was covered with badger skin. But yet inside, there was gold and tapestry and and great jewels and wonderful things that God designed. But I, I said all of that to let you know this morning, and I've said these things before, but let me assure you this morning that God is particular about what he does. You can set your clock by God. If he says the, the sun, you, you, could, you can go look today because it's timed out. Sunrise at whatever time in the morning. And a day or so later, it may be a little earlier. And a day or so, but, but the sun comes up on time. And it goes down on time. And the world is spinning on its axis. It's all in order. There's the galaxies. There's the sun. There's the moon. There's the planets. There's all that God made. And he put it in place perfectly because he is a particular God. You go study the Passover when the Lord told Israel, we're going to get to Moses, I'm going to get Israel out of Egypt after Pharaoh had so rebelled so many times and God has hardened, had hardened his heart and yet he wanted the children of Israel to be victorious and come out of the land of slavery. It was, it was to Moses that he gave specific instruction. He said, you tell the people to go get a lamb without spot and without blemish. Bring the lamb in. Kill it. Or put it four days, first of all, at your, at, at your gate. And then you slay the lamb. You eat the lamb. But you take the blood and you apply it to the sides of the door and above the door because this is going to be a sign when the death angel passes over. I'm going to send judgment to Egypt. But the sign is going to be that you have blood applied to your door, to the top and to the side. So God said this is the order that you have to do it. When the Lord told Noah to build a boat, now just stay with me for a moment here. I'm going somewhere today. He didn't say, Noah, I'd like you to just go out and build something that would float because there's going to be a flood and you're going to have to have something that's going to float. No! He said, you go get the, the, the gopher wood and you build it so many cubics long, so many cubics high, so many cubics wide. You put one window in the top. You put one door on the boat. And you pitch it within and without. And, and he gave divine instruction. I'm here to tell you that that boat was designed by God to keep them from the flood that was to come. Anybody believe me today? This is not fairy tale. This is good stuff. On and on I could go. I could tell you how God is particular throughout the scriptures. One time he told Saul when he was king of Israel, utterly destroy the Amalekites. Saul got greedy. 
when he went in to destroy the Amalekites, he took some jewels and he kept Agag the king and he kept a few oxen and a few of the cattle. And, and when the prophet Samuel showed up, he said, oh, do I hear the lowing of oxen? Do I hear the bleeding of sheep? And who is this? And it was Brother Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Saul said, oh, we kept him for sport. We're, we're going to teach him a lesson, God said, through the voice of Samuel. I didn't tell you to keep anything. I told you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And God pulled the kingship from Saul. And he told him, the anointing has left you. And the last time you see Saul, he's standing over the witch of Endor's grave, calling up a witch to try to find out how to get back into the presence of God. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we do not serve a haphazard God. We serve a particular God that is particular about his word and particular about what he does. And he's particular about his people. Everybody said amen. So if he's that particular, about all the stuff. And I could take you to the New Testament, but I don't want to spend all my time there today. He is particular about his plan for this age. He is particular about we who sit in this body today. So just stay with me. How many of you know that God has a plan for us to get out of here? Amen? I'd love to tell you I'd lo- and I've heard the philosophy since Christ died for all, everybody's saved. Well, let me tell you, the blood was, was applied in the Old Testament. And in order for us to be saved, we got to do more than just say Christ died for all and all men are saved. I don't believe that. I believe God gave us divine and specific instructions in the word of the Lord. It was Paul that picked up the pen in Ephesians chapter 4. And he said, there is one body and there is one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. And then he said in verse 5, put that up if you will, Ephesians 4 and 5. He said, one Lord, somebody say it with me, one Lord. Say one faith. Say one baptism. That's the word of the Lord. One God, he said, Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So there's a plan. God made a plan. Matter of fact, there have been many that have tried to change the plan. Even in Bible days, Paul wrote to the church at Galatians. This is what he said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. He said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. That word pervert means to change the gospel of Christ. But though we, Paul said, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And then he emphasized it. He said, as we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than ye have received, let him be accursed. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to find out what the gospel was according to the apostles because we don't want to fall into the category of Galatians chapter 1. I don't want to sugarcoat anything today. I don't want to water anything down today. I want to tell you that God's particular. God has a plan and we need to follow his plan. Amen. So let me take you back for just a minute. First of all, we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. How many of you believe that? Oh, yeah. That's where the gospel is predicated. It's predicated on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So, so we preach that. But let me show you how all this came about. And I'm going, I'm going to try not to be too fast today. My wife tells me that I get too fast sometimes. And, and so I have to slow down. 
and I want you to jot it down, write it down, write a question down, do whatever you want to do. But when Jesus was on the earth, one day his disciples were around him in Matthew 16, and he said, he said unto them, whom do men say that I am? And somebody, one of his disciples said, well, you're Jeremiah the prophet. The other one said, uh, I heard him say you were Elias. And Jesus looked at them and said, but who do you say that I am? And notice what happened in, in this scripture in Matthew 16. You can read it for yourself. He said, they said, or Peter said, let me, let me back up. Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord said unto him, I say unto thee, in verse 18, thou art Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he said to Peter, watch me close here, he said, I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever, Peter, thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, Jesus said to Peter, whatever you preach and whatever you say and however you present it, is, I'm going to bind it on earth and it's going to be bound in heaven. He literally handed Simon Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Everybody say amen. I'm in the Bible, okay? So, so if, you, if, you, if you go on over, you find in Acts chapter 2 where 95% of the church world believes that the church was born. The New Testament church was born. You see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are we call, what we call the four Gospels. It's where it's, it's talking about the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of the Lord, and the, the earthly ministry of the Lord, the four Gospels. But when you get to the book of Acts, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. It's where the church began. And if you want to read about that, you'll find in Acts chapter 2 a very interesting story. They had been sent by the Lord, the disciples had, back to Jerusalem to tarry and wait for the promise of the Lord of the Holy Ghost. He said, it's going to fall upon you not many days hence. Go to Jerusalem and tarry there for the promise. You read chapter 1, and then you go quickly to chapter 2, and chapter 2 says this in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. Keep rolling. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled, or they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. I'm going to stop right there because what happened, there were onlookers that said, These men are drunk. These men, these men are, they're not right. But I want you to notice what happened in verse 14. Because the Bible said there were men from every nation under heaven. And, and, and Peter stood up. And this is what he said. He lifted up his voice. What? Who? Peter. Yeah, the one that had the keys to the kingdom. He stood up and he said this. Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words for these are not drunk. Are drunken as ye suppose, seeing it's the third hour of the day, it was nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And the scripture goes on to tell us that he preached Christ and him crucified. He preached a powerful message on that day. And now in verse 37, the Bible said, when they heard this, that's the crowd that was there. They were pricked in their hearts. They were convicted and said unto Peter 
and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter, yes, the one with the keys. Peter, here's what he said. Repent. Everybody say repent. Peter had the keys to the kingdom. I want you to remember this. He said repent. And then he said be baptized every one of you, not some of you, not part of you, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He had the keys and he opened the door and the Bible goes on to say for the promises unto you and to your children and to as many as God should call and and and, and, and then he said, he said, save yourself from this untoward generation. There's some things you've got to do. You've got to repent. It's wonderful that Jesus Christ died at Calvary. It's wonderful that he rose again. But we have to repent of our sins. You can't get to God without repentance. Let me just tell you what repentance is. Repentance is when you're going this way and you realize you're going wrong and you're doing the wrong thing. You stop where you are and you say, Lord, I'm sorry for the person that I've been, for the man or the woman that I've been, for the sins that I've committed. And you mean it from right here. And by that, you do this. You do an about face and you go the other direction. Hallelujah. You can't come to God without repentance. Baptism today is no good without repentance. Baptism is invalid unless you repent of your sins. Amen. Now, what I told you in the beginning was that we believe in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. Here's where the gospel really is. Watch me close. We die with him in repentance. We are buried with him in baptism, Romans chapter 6. And we arise to walk in the newness of life. That's in the scripture. By the infilling and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. But you've got to follow Peter's direction. Nobody ever preached another gospel among the apostles. That was what they taught, they preached, they believed. So I'm, I'm, I've told you just for a moment about, that, about repentance, and we all understand that. If a man comes to God, you, you can't fill a bucket up with sand if it's filled up with rocks. you got to pour the rocks out before you can pour the sand in. You can't fill a heart up with God till it's empty of all the corruption. And the only way to do that is say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I want to be a better person. And you turn your life around. But when you've done that, then you, you know, does anybody know what we do with people that die? We bury them. That's what they did with Jesus. They buried him. They put him in a tomb. There's burial after death. When you die in repentance, you got to take that old man and bury him. Because let me tell you what's going to happen on this Sunday morning. People have already repented. And those that haven't, we're going to give you a chance. But when you repent, and it's very simple, because let me say this to you today. God is the quickest forgiver of anybody. He forgives you before you forgive yourself. Amen. We often do things, we say, my Lord, I just can't get over it. God got over it. When you said, I'm sorry, he said, okay. And he forgave you immediately. People may not forgive you, but God forgives you. Are you with me today? So here's what happens. When you die, we're going to bury the old man here today. We're going to put you down in water. Baptism comes from the word baptismo, which means to immerse. That means to go under. 
That means to go down in water. And when you go down, you're buried. But let me tell you, when you come up, you're a brand new child. Hallelujah. When you come out of this water, you're not the same old man anymore. You're not the same young person anymore. We bury your sins right here. We bury your past right here. We bury the old man right here. And the Bible said we arise to walk in the newness of life. Baptism is not a suggestion it is a commandment. Amen. Peter didn't say if you want to, you go get baptized. He said, they said, what do we need to do? He said, you got to repent, and it's a commandment. Be baptized. It's not a suggestion. Baptism is for, watch me close here, Luke chapter 24 before Jesus was ascended, he had his group of disciples together and he said this. He said, 2447, put it up. Luke 2447, repentance and remission of sins was to be preached in the name of Jesus beginning at Jerusalem. Where'd the day of Pentecost happen? Jerusalem. So Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. Repentance and remission of sins. Acts 2.38, if you study that, the remission of sins. Baptism is for the washing away or the remitting of your sins. That water has no power, but it is symbolic of the blood of Jesus. Now, I want to tell you, I, I, I'm tell you, go back to where I've been reading. I, I've been glad that we're not in the Old Testament because it was a bloody mess. Religion was a bloody mess. I mean, it talked about, look, I don't mean to make you sick today, but it said you kill this animal and you reach in and you get the gall out and you, you know, above the kidney and you get, you get the liver out and you do this and, and you roast this leg and you drain the blood down at the bottom of the altar. Man, it, it's got some gory, nasty, bloody stuff there. Thank God we don't have to do that. We have a lamb who was spotless that went to Calvary that became the sacrifice for everybody in this room and everybody in this world and that lamb is called Jesus Christ hallelujah aren't you glad you know the lamb today but it's by baptism that his blood is applied to our life Acts 22 and 16 said this be baptized talking about Paul or Saul's conversion he said go and be baptized and wash away thy sins you can repent and God forgives you, but to have them remitted or washed away, it takes the waters of baptism according to the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 6 and 11 said, you are washed in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You are washed. Amen? Everybody say washed. Baptism is not only for repentance and the washing of our sins. It's a birth of water. Do you not believe, does anybody in this room believe with me? That when Nicodemus came to Jesus, Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 5, Nicodemus, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. How many of you understand that he's talking about two things here, two elements of salvation, water baptism and spirit baptism? Amen. Water baptism and spirit baptism. You've got to be born of water and of spirit. Are you with me today? Titus 3.10 said we, tells us we are saved by the washing of regeneration. We are saved by the washing of regeneration. Baptism is a purging. It's a cleansing of the conscience. You know, uh, years ago I was pastoring Central Louisiana, and I had a, an older lady come to me. She was probably in her maybe late 70s, early 80s, and, and she came to me. She'd been around the church for years, and she said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. She said, I was baptized as a child. And, and, and I know that I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But she said, I feel such a need to be baptized in my older age. I just want to be. You know what I'm telling you today? Baptism is for your conscience. 
baptism not only remits your sins and washes them away. Baptism is not only a command of the Bible, but it's the purging and the cleansing of a good conscience toward God. Baptism, Peter said in his writing, the same one that gave the key, he said, baptism doth now save us. For all these people that believe baptism is not necessary, I want to give you a couple of scriptures. One of them is 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21, where, the, where Peter said, baptism, baptism doth now save us. And Mark 16 and 16 said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Amen. So it's not, it's not a suggestion. Baptism's a burial. Baptism's for your conscience. Baptism's for remission. It's putting you down in a name that is above every name. Here's what Jesus said. There's often been confusion, so let me clear up some things for you today, if I may. There's often been confusion what Jesus said, because in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, would you pull that up and put it on the screen? And uh, matter of fact, we'll start with verse 18, if you will. Just back it up one, one scripture, Matthew 28 and 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, talking about his disciples and saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And the next verse, he gave what we call the Great Commission. He said, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I believe that scripture, don't you? I believe Jesus gave the Great Commission, go baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Peter was there. The disciples heard him. And when they baptized, they baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus Christ. Watch me close. You say you're being a stickler. I told you God was particular. He said this in the scripture. He said in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, for there is no other name given among men, under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So how many fathers do we have here? Oh, your hand up your father. I'm not a trick. I mean, I'm just being... I'm proud to be a father today. How many sons do we have here? All the males. Put your hand up. Let me help you. How many husbands do we have here? I'm, I'm lucky. Amen. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Hallelujah. So, I'm a husband, and I'm a father, and I'm a son. But that's not my name. My name is Danny Chance. You say, well, there's three. No, there's not three. There's only one. Could I help you today? Some of you are going to hear some stuff you never heard in your life, and I'm going to do it in the next 20 minutes. I'm going to be out of here. Watch me right now. When Peter baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, he did not misunderstand God. As a matter of fact, I don't mean to be ugly, and I don't want to cross anybody's theory and make you mad today, but I challenge you on this Sunday morning. Never anywhere did one of the disciples repeat what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, for they understood the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost. No preacher, no administrator of baptism ever in the Scripture anywhere put any convert down and said, I'm baptizing you today in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. But always and ever after Jesus said that, they baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord. You say, well, I, I read where they was baptized in the name of the Lord. Okay, let me help you there. Paul on his way to Damascus, a great light shone out of heaven, knocked him to his knees, and he fell down on his knees and looked up and said, Lord, Lord, who art thou, Lord? And a voice came out of heaven and said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. So, Here's what I'm preaching to you today. There's, there's 
many, 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 many times in the scriptures where God said in the Old Testament, I am one. Beside me there is no other. I am, there, there's none like me. There's none beside me. There's none above me. So the God of the Old Testament, watch me now, was a spirit. John 4.24, please put it up. John 4.24 said, For God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's why God as a spirit can feel all space and all time and has all power. He is what we call omniscient. That means he knows everything. That means he, he is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. That he's omnipotent. That means he has all power. So God in the beginning was a spirit. You can't, John, John 1.18 said, no man hath ever seen God. I feel God's spirit in this room today, but I don't see God. Only through the face of his people. But I, I want to tell you, nobody's ever seen God because God is a spirit. I can prove that over and over and over in the scripture. So God came down in the book of Matthew. You read about it. He overshadowed a little lady that was a virgin. Her name was Mary, and she got pregnant. I'm just being real honest with you today. She conceived and was with child. This child that was in her didn't have an earthly father. If you believe he did, you don't believe that Mary was a virgin. I'm just saying. But his father was God and his mother was flesh. So born at Bethlehem's manger was a child that had a God for a father and mother was flesh and he was both God and man. You with me? How do I know that? Because as man, he walked, he talked, he slept, he ate, he was in pain. He went through everything we do as humans. Bible said he was tempted in all things such as we are, yet without sin. But let me tell you what he done with, as God. He turned water into wine. Let me tell you what he done as God. He fed 5,000 with a few loaves and fish. He raised up Lazarus from the dead. Let me tell you what he done as God. He was a miracle worker. He opened blinded eyes. He healed leprous people. He was 100% man, and yet he was 100% God. His name was Jesus. Hallelujah. And he was come to save his people from their sin. He wasn't a second God. He was God, the Bible said in 2 Timothy 3.16. He was God manifest in the flesh. You can't do what he done without being God. Does anybody here believe Jesus was God? Look, there's a song came out many years ago, and I, I, I go to it every once in a while talking to this church. But, you know, it was Jesus Christ Superstar. How, and somebody wrote that God sent his son down, and God turned his head while his son died. No, 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 no. God wrapped himself up in flesh. God robed himself in a body. And God showed up in Bethlehem's manger. And God walked upon this earth for, 20, for 33 and a half years. God died. You say God didn't die. Yes, he did. The Bible said he did. He bought us with his blood. Now, let me, let, me, let me retract and go back. We all know that a spirit can't die, so God didn't die. So here's what happened. He was, God was in Christ. The Bible said, yet God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. God, the spirit, was in the body, bringing the world unto himself. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. You got to hear this. So what happened? They took him to a cross. They crucified him. They speared his side. They put nails in his feet and his hands. They put a crown of thorns on his head. And he bowed his head in pain and said, it is finished. You know what that meant? I come to do what I set out to do. I just bought the sins of the whole world and put them on my shoulder. I, I've come to do. It is finished. Now watch me close here because you, if you don't, I'm going to lose you. But here's what happened. They took Jesus off and put him in a borrowed tomb. 
But on that cross, he said some words. There's seven sayings on the cross. One of them, one of the last ones was this. Watch me. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did he not say that? Do you know what happened at that moment? The spirit had to leave that body for that body to die. God never died, but his body did. God left. The Bible tells us, this is a Bible study within itself. He went to the spirits in prison. And you, you, you know, if you go read the Bible, the Bible said people got up out of their graves and walked around. He went to hell. Boy, I wish I had time to preach today. He went to hell and took the keys of death and hell out of the hands of the devil while, while his body was hung on a cross and then put in a tomb. The, the scripture says that the spirit had to leave the body. But when, the, when, when three days later, and he'd been telling this all along, Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. Three days later, Roman soldiers were sitting outside. They'd already sealed the tomb and it looked like they had him. But let me tell you, the spirit went right back into that tomb and rolled back the grave clothes, rolled the stone away, hallelujah, at Jesus Christ. The minute the spirit of God touched that body, it rose again. Hallelujah. That's how he came out of that body. Because God came back inside the body. God can't die. God never has died as far as the spirit. He died only through the flesh. And when that flesh died, the spirit had to leave that body so that body could die. If you're telling me God can die, I'm going to tell you I'm going to find another God because he never sleeps, he never slumbers, he never goes on vacation. He's God 24-7. He's God 365 days a year. He's God when I need him at 2 o'clock in the morning. He's God if I need him at 3 o'clock in the evening. He's always the present God. He's always the God on time. He's always God. Never has been anything else. He's God throughout eternity. So, I got to hurry. So the body rose up. It was a glorified body. And the glorified body existed a few more days upon the earth. And then he left from the top of a mountain. And they looked at his sandy feet. And two angels stood in his stead, or came in his stead and said, You men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus that you've seen go away is going to come again in like manner and receive you unto himself. So, but when Jesus was on the earth, he said, he said I'm going to go, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He said, I'm going to come unto you. And he said this because he was going to send his spirit back. If you go read Joel 2.28, it says, in the last day saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. God said that. In, in Acts chapter 2, Peter quoted Joel. He said, this is that which was spoken by Joel. In the last day, saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So we understand the spirit of God came on men. But what happens now is Jesus is gone, and, and we're waiting for the promise of the spirit. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. I don't have time to preach it like I really want to preach it. But God sent his spirit back upon men. Everybody say, Holy Ghost. I believe in ghost. I believe in one ghost, and I believe in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is is the spirit of a departed person and that person being Jesus Christ. He did not leave us without anything. He sent us his spirit. That's why Paul said, Paul said, it is Christ in you. The hope of glory. The Holy Ghost is. So I said all that to say this. This church believes in baptism in the name that is above every name. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9 said, For God hath highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and he said he's given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many of you understand there's power in the name of Jesus? There are over 400 baptisms in the world. There's 48 different, or over 48 different kinds of things that the interpreters of baptism, or, or, or should I say the, the uh, administrators of baptism say when people are buried. Some sprinkle, some just 
put a little water on you and, and, and hope you get there. But we put you under because we believe baptism is a burial. Now watch me. If we bury in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you what the name is. It's not Father. Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name. My name is Chance because my daddy's name was Chance. Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name. And Hebrews said that he got his name by inheritance. So the name of the Father is not Father. And the name of the Son, the angel appeared to Mary in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 and said, you're going to have a son. And his name is going to be called, come on, say it with me, Jesus. Say, what about the Holy Ghost? Holy Ghost is not the name of the Holy Ghost. John 14, 26 said, I will send the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, in my name. The power that's in the name of Jesus, it's the name that is above every name. And the Bible said, whatsoever you do in word or deed, that's in Colossians, whatsoever you do in word or in deed, you do it all in the name of Jesus. Here's what I don't get. Why do people, they'll pray, and at the end they'll say in Jesus' name. They'll pray over ball games or supper or, or family reunions or crowds, and at the end they'll just say in Jesus' name. Let's do something better than that. Let's take his name on. If he is the bridegroom and the church is the bride, let's go down in the name that is above every name whereby nobody is saved other than by that name. Let's put people down in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's the way you apply the name to that soul. It's through baptism. You can't get into Christ any other way except through baptize. The Bible says we are baptized into Christ. Is everybody with me today? So I'm not minimizing anybody's baptism. You can check me out anything you want to check me out. Here's what I'll do. Here's what I'll do. <clears throat> I've done this many, many times. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. Please don't think that. But I have an offer to make you today. Well, I thought, yeah, I got one here. Here's a hundred dollars. There. Prove me wrong and show me in the Bible where anybody was ever baptized with a preacher saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. But I'll show you several times. In Acts chapter 2, they baptize in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 8 in Samaria, they baptize in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 10, when the Gentiles received the gospel, the Bible, the Bible said Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And in Acts chapter 19, okay, let me help you, okay? Everybody, I'm closing. I got my wings lowered here. I mean, I've got my wheels out. I'm near, getting near the runway. You're fixing to be through with me today. But watch this. In Acts chapter 19, Paul shows up at, 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 at Ephesus. And the Bible said there were certain disciples there. And he said to them, he said, how are you baptized? And they said, or have you received, no, this is what he asked him. Let me go back. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we haven't even heard that there be any Holy Ghost. So Paul said, well, then how were you baptized? And they said, well, we were baptized under John's baptism. Paul said, well, John baptized under repentance, saying to the people to believe on him that should follow. I'm paraphrasing. But Paul instructed them. John's baptism was good, basically what he said, but I need to be baptized you. And so he rebaptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. That's, that's not my word, that's what the Bible said. And they received the Holy Ghost with the laying on of hands and spoke in tongues and prophesied. We believe the apostles' doctrine. So here's what I want to tell you today. Everybody that we bury today in this water, when we bury you, we're putting your old man under here. And we're saying, goodbye, old Will. Goodbye, old James. Goodbye, whoever. You're not going to be the same when you come out of here. Because when you come out of here, your burial is one thing, but you're going to have a birth. And you're going to come out of here a brand new person in Christ Jesus. Amen.
It's not magic water, and it's not magic words. Let me tell you what it is. It's the particular scriptures of the word of the Lord. And whatever God said, that's what we have to do. I will offer you this if you can show me what I just preached about today. But in closing remarks here, I want to tell you this. If you need to be rebaptized for conscience sake, we rebaptize you today. We got everything ready for you. If you don't know how you were baptized, somebody said, well, I was just a kid. I had somebody not long ago say, well, I was just a kid. I don't remember. If you don't remember, it's time to do it again to make sure that you remember. If you were baptized any other way than a preacher saying over you at some point, I don't care how he said it, but at some point, I am baptizing you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. If you've not been baptized that way, you do not have a biblical baptism. But if you want a biblical baptism, I'm going to do it exactly the way the Word of God teaches today. And I'm not saying that to minimize anybody's experience with God. I'm just telling you sometimes we need to double check and God brings us to a point. You may love God with all your heart. I don't deny that. You may have an experience with God. I don't deny that. But let's get particular about what the Word of the Lord said and let's go down in water for the for the remission of of our sin. Let's arise to walk in the newness of life by the power and the authority of the Word of God and the name of Jesus Christ. If I knocked on a door for the sheriff today, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a chaplain for the, for the sheriff, but if, if he made me a, a real deputy today, we got one right here, but if, if he made me a real deputy today and, and, and the sheriff said, go out and arrest Tony Gallup. I would knock on Tony's door and I would say, I'm here in the name of the law. I'm here in the name of the sheriff. That gives me the authority to arrest him. That makes sense? So when I baptize you in the name of Jesus, I'm doing it with authority and power because that's the authority of the word of God. It said you go baptize in the name of Jesus. Teach all nations baptizing. I spent just about 45 minutes teaching you some things some of you never heard before. Yes, we believe there's only one God. We believe he was father in creation. He was son in redemption and he's Holy Ghost in regeneration. We believe that he, he look, if I had time today, I'd, I'd show you some stuff. See this stuff right here? This is water. Everybody say H2O. Say it with me, H2O. That's water. I can throw this in my freezer. I'm not going to throw it at you, Will. You thought I was, didn't you? I could throw this in my freezer, and it would freeze. And guess what it would be? Ice. But guess what else it would be? H2O. I could throw this in a boiler today and turn the heat up, and you'd see the steam just rising. And that would be... H2O. Steam, ice, water, all of it's H2O. Father, Son, Spirit, Jesus Christ. Husband, Son, Father, Danny Chance. What simpler can it be than that? The name that is above every name is Jesus Christ. Come on, stand up with me. All of you that's going to get baptized, head out those doors right now. And uh, we got a team that's going with them. We're about to do some wonderful things here in the next few minutes. My, 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 my. I'm excited to baptize people. Look at this. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Man, this is awesome. Jalen, I've been waiting on you, boy. I've been waiting on you. <coughs> say this with me. He that believeth. Say it with me. He that believeth. How many of you believe the Word of God? You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your name don't have to be on the list today. If you want to get baptized, go with that bunch right there. We got robes. We got T-shirts to give you. We got all kind of stuff. We got a team that's going to help you. They'll be ready in just a minute. He that believeth. You know what that means? If you believe, you need to be baptized. If you believe and are baptized, you're going to be saved. If you don't believe, who's going to be baptized? It doesn't say he that believeth not 
and it's not baptized because any, anybody with two-eyed pig sense to know if you don't believe, you're not going to be baptized. But he that believeth and is baptized, the same shall be saved. So now we just got to make sure that we get the one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Everybody say one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So what is the one Lord, and what is the one faith, and what is the one Lord is Jesus Christ. The one faith is the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, and following the Word of God. That's the faith. Look, I don't care what you hang on your door. Listen to me right now. I want everybody in this room to listen. They're getting ready, but listen to me right now. I, you don't have to call yourself by a certain name. I'm not, I'm not all in names. You can put hen house over the door, but there not going to be a chicken anywhere in sight. You understand what I'm saying? It's not about whether you're Pentecostal or Methodist or Baptist or Church of God or Church of Christ or Episcopalian or Catholic. If you want to get right down to it, there's many things the Bible says about the church. Calls them the Church of God. There's all kind of names. So names are not it. What it is, though, is what do you believe about the gospel? Do you believe a man must repent? Do you believe a man must go down in water and baptism? Do you believe a man must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Speaking with other tongues as they did in Acts chapter 2. This is an experience. We had it happen here two weeks ago. Man, the Holy Ghost fell in this church so powerful. People were speaking in tongues and receiving the book of Acts experience. Yes, we believe in that. Yes, yes, we will never quit believing in that because you come too late to tell me that's not real. It's very real and very genuine. Amen? Genuine, genuine. Nothing like the Holy Ghost. Could I get a witness today? Nothing like the Holy Ghost. Nothing like the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So could I, could I just bring you to the point today that, and you may be visiting here, I don't know. We've had people, last time we had baptism, we had people come out of the risers that said, hey, I see it, I want to be baptized. We had people coming out of the congregation that said, I want to be baptized. So this is not a, I, if, you don't, if you don't understand Go study what I preach today. It's on the internet. Go listen to it and rewind it and listen to it and rewind it and listen to it until you understand what I'm saying. There's one God, Father of all, above all, in you all, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we're about to put people down in that wonderful name that is above every name today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.